0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives, ultimately found in Jesus, because we believe that free people, free people. It's Bob here in Sycamus. Uh, Bob Evans, uh, Shoeswalk Community Church in Sycamus. I'm also on the task force uh, with three, three other pastors. Reg, Todd, and Roger, and, uh, we're so glad to be, uh, a little part of your team, play a little part in your team, and, and, uh, we're praying for you, and we love you, and this, uh, talk today that we're doing from Acts chapter 5 is, uh, particularly poignant for someone like you, who is going to start having services of being a new church, and, uh, you're a year old in your purpose and in your gathering, but uh, soon you'll be able to meet in person. We're excited about that. In Sigamoose, we're excited about being able to do that too outside. Next weekend, April 18th, the weather is looking good, so we're excited about that. But uh, let's pray before we look at Acts chapter 5 today in your series on Acts. Father, we really need you to come in the Holy Spirit and give life... To our mortal bodies, to fill our temporal minds with your eternal truth, to replace our fear with your courage, and to give us new roads to walk out of this message, and a renewed mission and a fervor and a, a energy from your Holy Spirit to be able to serve you as we go on this journey with you, Father, I live free in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's good to pray. I'm going to back up a little bit today. I know I'm starting. um, David uh, and Levi sent me the text to begin uh, probably in verse. Acts chapter 5, verse 17 is where I'll be getting my sermon. But I backed up a little bit just to give you a refresher on what you guys talked about last week. Acts 5, verse 12. The Apostolic Signs and Wonders. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came from the crap towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What a beautiful prologue to the passage that we're going to start today. We, we uh, see that Jesus is doing great miracles through the hands of Peter and John and the other disciples The church was growing by hundreds and thousands. People were being healed. Even many of the Jewish priests you'll see in Acts chapter 6 were coming to faith in Jesus. When Jesus said that the disciples would do even greater things than he did, this was the beginning of that happening. It's pretty exciting. And uh, in Acts chapter 5, we see that the church is really kicking into high gear because of the power of the Holy Spirit. But this really ticked off the men that killed Jesus. And uh, the ones that had Jesus killed, who were the ruling religious party, um, were so mad. They were so jealous about seeing that this new sect that they tried to stamp out when they killed Jesus, was bigger than ever. More people than ever were joining the movement of what was called at that time, The Way, capital W. Then the priest, the high priest, Caiaphas, remember he, he uh, presided over the murder of Jesus Christ on the cross. After the disciples were doing all these miracles, verse 17 says, the high priest rose up and he and all who were with him, Who belonged to the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Interesting, the high priest was hanging out with the Sadducees, it says here in verse 17. Now, the Sadducees were a section of the religious elite, the priesthood, and the Sadducees flourished for two centuries before the destruction of the temple. And they were, their identity was so closely entwined with the temple that when the temple was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70, the Sadducees ceased to exist. The Sadducees were a party of high priests and aristocratic families and merchants. They were wealthy. And they tended to have a good relationship with the Romans. That's probably why they were able to persuade Pilate to murder Jesus Um, And it says the high priest, Caiaphas, was with the Sadducees. And not only were they basically just wealthy politicians that inherited their role, who didn't really have a love for God, it was a political position more than anything. The Sadducees, get this, only accepted the first five books of the Bible of Moses. They missed out on so much. They, They didn't have the Psalms, they didn't have the Proverbs, they didn't have the beautiful prophecies from Isaiah about Jesus coming again. They didn't believe in the immortality of the soul. And they didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They had a very small faith. And they were a small-minded group of priests who were in it to stay on top, to be the ones that were in power, and to maintain their position of high reputation and, and money and influence. So when they see the apostles performing miracles, Caiaphas and the Sadducees, Um, were very mad because the attention that they longed for was on Jesus because of what the apostles were doing. I love how it worded it at the beginning in verse 12 and 13 and 14. Jesus was doing things, God was doing things to the hands of the apostles. The Sadducees claimed that they were in charge, but here they were losing the spotlight to Jesus. So we have a high priest who's buddy up to the Sadducees, A group of guys pretty well have ruled out God's power and his sovereignty and his miracles. Resurrection doesn't exist. Eternal life doesn't exist. Angels don't exist. And what do they do? They do the same thing to the disciples that they did to Jesus. They threw them into prison. That'll shut them up, shut them down, shut down this circus. But verse 19 says, An angel of the Lord came, opened up the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple, tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, the disciples entered the temple at daybreak. And what did they do? They began to teach. Ah, the angel frees them. Basically, you can't shut God up. And you can't shut him down. You can't shut down his people no matter what you throw at them. Go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. I love that. What is this life the angel's talking about? That's a cool way to talk about what Jesus does in our lives. This life with Jesus where he, the author of life, the savior of our lives, the healer of our lives, and the Lord of life who defeated death and rose back to life, who invented this thing called eternal life. This is the life the angel told the disciples to go tell people about. The angel said, go, take your stand in the temple courts and declare to the people the whole doctrine concerning this life, the eternal life, to which Jesus had called all men. The, the, The apostles on trial again. I love this subheading as we move on in the passage. The apostles on trial again. Yes, I love that heading in the CSB Bible because the apostles, again, are on trial. These guys can't stay out of trouble because they're going to um, bring the trouble. They want to they tell people about Jesus. Dear friends, Peter said this when he wrote a letter later on. Because the remember what I said, the subtitle was the apostles on trial again. Well, later when Peter was an old man, he would write this in one of his letters to the churches. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery trials... Come upon you to test you. As if something unusual were happening to you. Peter had lived that life. The apostles on trial again and again and again. And Peter says, if you follow Jesus, there's going to be trials. People are going to try and shut you down. They're going to try and stop the movement. They're going to try and stop the mission. Don't be surprised. You're going to get resistance. Where did Peter go? Well, when the high priests and those who were with him arrived, they convened the council, the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and they sent orders to the jail to bring the apostles for a trial. So you, so just picture this, okay? They throw the, the apostles into jail. During the night, an angel lets them out. At dawn, they go to the temple and start telling people about Jesus. About maybe 10 after they've had their morning coffee, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and Caiaphas the high priests and all the elders have gathered to convene the council and they say, okay, go, go to the jail and get those guys that we threw in jail. We're going to try them. Uh, what happens? The full council of the Israelites sent orders to jail that the apostles might be brought to them. But when the servants got there, this is verse 22, they did not find them in jail. So they returned and reported, um, I'm sorry, Caiaphas. Uh, I apologize, Your Excellency. We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing out in front of the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. Think about it. The angel was in such stealth mode when he let the boys out, the guards didn't even notice. And the doors were locked when they went to get him the next day. So the angel didn't even bust open the doors. He just must have used like a phasing power and, you know, unlocked the doors and brought the apostles out, and the doors were still locked. I don't know how it worked, but these guys were like baffled. Verse 25 says someone came and reported to them Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple over there, and they're teaching the people. These men that you put in jail are out there. Then the commander went with the servants and Without force, it says, brought in Peter and John and the apostles because they were afraid the people might stone them because there were so many Christians now. There's so many people of the way. So the the guards go in and say, "Uh, could you come with me, please? Uh, The Sanhedrin wants to talk to you. And so then the commander went with the servants, brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might tell them. Verse 27 says, after they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin council and the high priest Caiaphas asked, Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Didn't even want to say the name of Jesus. Look, you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us look guilty of this man's blood. You're determined to make us the bad guys. Peter and John, you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Ah, now we're getting somewhere with these guys. They're feeling their guilt condemning the innocent Jesus to death. You're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. We're not making you guilty of this man's blood. You are guilty of this man's blood. It's because you, you killed him. You killed Jesus. There's a principle here. Man's denial of Jesus as Lord means that you have to kill him because you won't kill your guilt. Because of your guilt, you kill him rather. You kill your faith or you kill your guilt. That's the two options we have. We kill our guilt by admitting that he is Lord, that he died for our guilt. We come to him, we confess our sin, we repent, we turn around, we don't do it anymore. And we tap out, we surrender. And that's how you kill your guilt and you get right with God. There's a principle here. Peter responds, it's not my problem that you've been driven mad with jealousy and conviction and guilt, religious leaders, we are going to shut up about the truth because you are in denial of the facts. The whole city knows what happened. Remember, this is just weeks after the crucifixion and the resurrection. This movement of people that you see, these crowds, these multitudes, these teeming crowds of people have changed lives in front of you. These multitudes of people which challenge your doubts. These crowds, this truth, cannot be silenced by your sinful denial of the truth. Jesus is real. There's no argument. He's alive. He went back to heaven. Hundreds saw him alive. We saw him alive. Look at what he's doing with his spirit through our hand. Peter and the apostles reply, We must obey God rather than the passing fancies of people that want to shut him down. Peter in verse 29 says, um, we must obey God rather than the people. It doesn't matter what your opinion of, is, of Jesus is. It doesn't matter um, when we're told to preach him that you want us to stop. We don't listen to your will. It doesn't matter what man may say. In this day and age, okay, for a while we will stay home. We will still preach the word over the internet because we're going to be smart and avoid uh, the pandemic and more cases. Okay, we'll, we'll agree to that. That's being smart. But if you ever tell us not to preach Jesus, that's the line. We will preach Jesus all the time. We will not be silent about Jesus because he is the way, the truth, the life, the only way for mankind to be saved. Peter rolls up his sleeves and he fires the truth at them again. Verse 30, The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus whom you murdered, By hanging on a tree. He goes right for the jugular. You did. You murdered him by hanging him on a tree. But God exalted this man to his right hand as savior and ruler. As ruler and savior. Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. He's reigning from heaven. And he's ruler over you. And he's savior of us all. And he's there to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. I love that. Jesus sits at the Father's own right hand to graciously give repentance to his people and forgiveness of sins to anybody that wants it. He's there. He will give even those who had him killed forgiveness. But whether we take the gift of repentance and forgiveness is up to us. He offers it freely. Jesus will forgive. He even prayed from the cross that God would forgive the people that were killing Him. He even asked for the forgiveness from when He's hanging on the cross. The skeptics have a hard time with that one. But whether they, whether people accept the forgiveness, is not, is up to them. Whether they, whether they accept forgiveness, is up to us. Jesus is there to offer it. Jesus loves the world. He stands at God's right hand to give the Holy Spirit to all those who repent, to those who love God more than their sin. They want to be free, and God will grant their freedom to them if they want it. Peter knew of this freedom himself, his freedom from guilt, because he had such guilt when he had denied Jesus. He actually took the sides of the Pharisees when he abandoned Jesus and pretended he didn't even know him. And when he met Jesus afterwards, he went back to Jesus and he got rid of his guilt. And he was forgiven by Christ. The ruling leaders of the religious parties, the high priest Caiaphas and the Sadducees did not repent. When Jesus came back to life, when he showed himself to be Lord and King, now that he's showing himself and his power through these people that were 12, then were 500, then were 3,000, then were 5,000. They, they would not repent despite all the evidence that they should, that they could, that it was available even to them. Peter is saying, you can take this gift of repentance and be freed from your past sin and guilt. And Jesus, who reigns from heaven as ruler and savior, can save you too. He will forgive you, but you must let go of your pride. You know, you probably heard that uh, method of catching monkeys um, on the other side of the world where they want to catch monkeys and sell them to people as pets. All they do is they take a, a nut that the the monkey likes and they put it in um, a, a glass pitcher and the monkey can reach his narrow hand his skinny hand into that glass pitcher and grab the nut but he can't get it out. And so because the monkey won't let go of the nut he's lugging around this big pitcher, and they can they can catch the monkey. If we don't let go of our pride We're going to be caught in it forever and be caught in our sin and never get to be let go from it, never be free from it. Then an interesting thing happened. So Peter said this. He said, we're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The Pharisees hated Peter's stand, and they reacted to Peter the same way they reacted to Jesus standing in front of them telling them the truth they wanted to kill Peter the same way they killed Jesus when they heard this verse 33 says they were enraged and they wanted to kill him that word enraged isn't strong enough Um, in this translation it says the Greek word that I looked up that I can't say in the Greek properly but it means this that word enraged means they were cut to the heart their hearts were sawn in two. They were sawn into Their hearts were split open with vexation. You can see the exasperation of these Pharisees. They had no argument against this kind of truth and all it did was make them matter. All their armor was shot through with the steel of truth's ammunition. There was no defense against this kind of truth. The Bible says that the truth cuts like a knife. The Word of God, which is truth, the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Word of God is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. The truth of God's Word that Peter was speaking was ripping the Pharisees' defenses wide open, and they were mad because they'd been exposed. That is why they wanted Peter dead. They wanted to silence him. There is no silence for the soul that is combating God. There's no peace apart from him. There's only forgiveness in him or unforgiveness that you cling to. Enter Gamaliel. He sees these Pharisees are fuming. They're a volcano waiting to erupt. They're going to kill these apostles the way that they killed Jesus. And Gamaliel is a wise old owl. He's been around the block. He's the next, um, he, he's like Yoda to the Pharisees, okay? And um, this big way Gamaliel, who taught the Apostle Paul, by the way, you can bet your boots that Paul himself, his name was Saul at the time, was sitting there watching this proceeding, listening to his master talk to the Pharisees. That's probably why we have the, the truth of what happened in that assembly, because they kicked the Apostles out, and Gamaliel said this. Well, how do we know Gamaliel said this? If none of the apostles were in there. Because Saul was in there. Listening to Gamaliel. And he remembered when he became a Christian what Gamaliel had said. And he told Luke. And Luke wrote it down in this book of Acts. So, this is what Gamaliel, the Yoda of the Pharisees, said. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, verse 34. A Pharisee of Uh, Named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin. He ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. Gamaliel, being that wise old owl, could see that his colleagues were literally going insane with rage and anger. And apparently when Gamaliel stands up, people listen. And Gamaliel stood up, and he ordered the apostles to be taken outside. And once they were out of the room, and everyone took a breath... He spoke these words to the young Pharisees, even to Caiaphas, the high priest, who was probably younger than him. Verse 35, Gamaliel said, Men of Israel, be very careful. Be very careful about what you're going to do to these men. I'll remind you, some time ago, a man that claimed to be the Messiah, Thutius, rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. 400 men. Jesus' followers were already in the thousands. And Gamaliel says, "Thudius was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After this, another man named Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He claimed to be Messiah. He also perished. They put him to death. And all his followers were scattered. So in this present case, Gamaliel looks at the the apostles looked at the thousands of people in the courtyard of the temple. And he says, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it's going to fail. Just like Thutius, just like Judas the Galilean. If Jesus was a false Messiah, this is going to fail. Because you killed them; They'll disperse. But, if this movement is of God, You will not be able to overthrow them. You will find yourself fighting against God. And this is the crux of the matter. This is the passage's core. Is that what you want? Do you want to be fighting against God? To stubbornly arrest the truth in the way that these men did. And throw it in jail and shut the door. And cover your ears so you don't hear it anymore. You're going to put it in a closet and shut it down. That's what men have tried to do for centuries to Jesus, to the truth of the gospel. Jesus and the truth, or the good news, or the gospel as we like to call it, has been around a lot longer than you and me. To think that the latest and greatest version of man's truth is somehow better than this ancient and tried and true set of beliefs, to think that you and I know better is folly. This thing called progressive Christianity that is making Christianity better and better with our stupid New Age ideas, it's not. This ancient truth has remained true for centuries and has changed the world. That's why there's two billion Christians out there right now. Gamaliel said, do you want to be fighting against God? And he sat down. And Verse 39 says that apparently he had talked some sense into them because they were persuaded by him. Verse 40 says, They called on the apostles, they had them whipped or flogged, and they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Yeah, like that's going to work, right? They beat Peter and John. And when they went out from the presence, when the apostles went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name of Jesus. Something to be happy about is that someone is trying to shut you down, and they're wounding you. When someone who wants to tell others about Jesus is attacked or plotted against or that someone is undermined in any way or the person who wants to share Jesus with others is treated shamefully for trying their best to lead others to the Savior, that is a sure sign that they're on the right team. They're on the right path. Just because men and women don't support or respect or listen to the message of Jesus that you're bringing doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path you're going to get resistance. You are on the right path when someone beats you down for trying to save a life or live a life that proclaims the gospel. You're on the right path and you are on the right team when someone tries to take you out. When someone tries to shut you down for being a voice for the gospel, you are on the right track. You are on the right team. Every one of the apostles, except for John, were killed for their faith. They, legend says that they tried to kill John with poison and it didn't work. That's why the Roman emperor threw him onto the island of Patmos to die as an old man. Because if you follow Jesus, you're going to get resistance to your efforts to get the word out. If you're being beat up for having a heart that wants to bring others to Jesus, you are being like your Savior, the Messiah. If people are shooting at you, it's because you're a true student who is being like his teacher, strong and courageous against the tide of resistance and evil and hurt that is hurled at you. But your mission keeps on going. The resistance of you swimming against the current hurts all your muscles, but it's just making you stronger. It only strengthens your resolve. And every day in the temple and in various homes, verse 42 says, every day in the temple and in everybody's homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Rejoice. Be glad that you're counted worthy to be treated the same way that they treated Jesus. Take heart the same way that the apostles overcame the resistance and the gospel spread all over the earth from there. You too will overcome the resistance and the gospel will spread to the people in your life that you're trying to bring Jesus to. Don't give up. Don't worry about the people who are against you. They're only fighting God and they won't win. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I pray that this truth would steal our hearts, that we would have backbones of steel and resolve of granite, that Lord, we would not be people that are easily dismayed, that we will continue on this mission, that we will rejoice when we get resistance, knowing that Lord, you have our backs, that this mission is from you, this is not a man-made thing, we praise you for the mission that you've given us in life, we pray Lord, that we would be true to the character of Jesus, that we'd stay humble, that we would have your power, Holy Spirit, to speak the truth to Listen to people to proclaim to them this truth from the gospel that Jesus, you are it, you are the way, you are the Savior of the whole world. We give our lives to you and to this mission and ask you to um, bolster us in our faith this morning and to fill us with your spirit and your courage to the glory of Jesus all over Kelowna and all over the Okanagan, all over the Shuswap, all over BC, all over Canada. And we thank you, Lord, that you're proclaiming this message and it's spreading all over this world, and that Jesus, one day you're going to come back soon. Lord, use us in the meantime. Keep us on track in Jesus' precious name and his might and in his power. We ask you, Spirit, to anoint us now. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.